for the teaching that we got to experience the last couple of weeks with Dr. Mike Courtney. Can you let him know that you appreciate? Thank you, doctor. You're the real deal. You're amazing. And um, I'm thankful for you. <laughs> but I wanted to just talk about just real, real plainly the anointing tonight. Um, maybe this will be a look at the anointing that you have never really seen before. Um, it's definitely something that I have just experienced in my own personal study, in my own personal time of just thinking about the anointing and what that really means. Um, just to kind of start off, it's always good just to start off with a C.S. Lewis quote because that just makes everything better. Um, if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most of the present world were, world were just those who thought most of the next. If you read in history, you'll find that the Christians who did, who did most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. Um, as we are beginning to wrap our minds around the anointing, obviously many of us have maybe come across teachings or read devotionals or podcasts or have come across a, a, a understanding of that. And this is not to do anything but enhance what you may have already established talking about the anointing. Um, the anointing is seen really throughout all throughout Scripture in a lot of different ways. And one of the ways that we see it just in the Jewish tradition and, and culture and upbringing, uh, we see it really done in three different facets. And, and um, I'll go ahead and start marking on this board a little bit on this. Uh, what about that right there? I thought I had bad handwriting. I know y'all think that's, some of that's Greek, some of that's English. Um, I'm talking about, I said, if, if doctors have bad, bad handwriting, then I feel good about myself because um, I have bad handwriting, so I just hope it's like because of the intellect. Um, but there's really three things when it comes to the anointing. Um, anointing was done in the Bible for prophets. How are we looking so far? Are we looking all right? Um, priest. And then kings. Prophets, priests, and kings is a lot throughout Scripture. You'll see um, the anointing or prophets being anointed, priests being anointed, um, and even kings, uh, Jewish kings being anointed. Um, you can also see anointing as you kind of get into the New Testament. You start seeing the anointing and just really everyday interactions. Um, we're going to be bouncing around a lot, but Luke chapter 7, verse 46 shows us as how practical this is because Jesus is um, talking, and one of the traditions was, um, you see in chap Luke chapter 7, verse 46, Jesus says, you did not put oil on my head, but she poured perfume on my feet. And so there was this tradition as a guest, if you were a guest in someone's home, they would anoint you with oil as you walked walked in. I don't know if we could start practicing that nowadays. Maybe we kind of do that with, um, with the oils, um, a little peppermint oil, um, different things like that. Um, but with our diffusers and things like that, my mom's all about it. And, um, and if you're about it, my, you and my mom are best friends. Um, I enjoy it. I think this stuff smells amazing. But there was also even just a practical everyday application when it came to the anointing. Um, it was a, just a kind gesture. Um, 
again, there was, there was this aspect of the anointing, though, that was really tied to inaugurations of, of really, really significant events of putting people in place, prophets, priests, and, um, and kings. We also see just, I mean, we can look down through some scriptures. You see in Psalms chapter 23, verses 1 through 6, we all know it. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. You're my rod and my staff. They comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Um, we all know Luke chapter 4, verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. First John 2, 20, but you have an anointing from the Holy One or the Holy Spirit, and all of you know the truth. Another great passage as well is 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 21-22. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit on our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. 1 Peter 2, 9, but you are a chosen people, royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into marvelous light. Again, what's amazing when you see in Scripture as it pertains to the anointing is that also in Scripture in the New Testament, we see Jesus being anointed three different times. And that is to signify Jesus is our prophet, he is our priest, and he is our king. And I think a lot of times we, we have allowed God to, or allowed Jesus or God to be a prophet in our life, or maybe just to be prophet and priest, but maybe we have never gone to the point of allowing him to be prophet, priest, and king in our, in our life and in our walk. Maybe he's just, maybe he's just the God of Wednesdays and Sundays. Maybe he's just the God of just whenever the church has got going on, just got events going on, but there's definitely uh, a step you have to make from him being a prophet, from him being a priest, and then for him being the king of your life. A significant difference in that. And we could get all, we could get on the soapbox of how we get tied up in politics and how we get tied up in all kind of different stuff that's just politically correct and incorrect and all that kind of stuff. At the end of the day, you and I have to individually make up in our mind, is he all these things to us? Have we anointed him to reign and rule in those areas of our lives? Amen. And so he has to be prophet, priest, and king. We know in scripture, nothing just happens by coincidence. Jesus was not just anointed three times just because, just because, but those things signified such a beautiful outline that he is anointed prophet, he's anointed priest, and he is anointed king. He is all of those things. Which one is he? He's all of them. He is prophet, he is priest, he is king. I love seeing those kind of things in scripture, Dr. Courtney, when you're just looking and you're pulling up those things like, man, that is beautiful. And you may say, I don't know, there might be more than those things. There's a lot of, there's just a lot of discussion of how many times he really was debated, but you really can look and see the first one, the the first time he was um, anointed Luke chapter seven, Luke chapter seven, verse um, 36 and 38. We will see that. 
So that's the first one. If you're taking notes, you can go ahead and write that down. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and, went, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclined at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Now, when I first saw this, like several years ago, and I was breaking this down, I was like, okay, so he's sitting at the table, but she's behind him, and she's anointing his feet. I'm like, who, who sits at a table? This is going to define some gravity stuff, you know, like what is happening? Um, but then once you start starting this culture, you realize they would literally lay down, and I mean, we talk about reclining. He's talking about, can we open up a restaurant like that and see how that works? <laughs> That's just really interesting. So that kind of allows you to, because for me, I'm like practically, I was like, hey, she's behind him, but they're reclining at the table. You know, I'm just, I'm just really confused by all that. But so that's, that's, a, if, if you're like me, you need that, you need that bro- broke down like that. Um, so they lay down, they're feasting at the table. She comes up behind him and she begins to anoint his feet. As we see in that passage there, and standing behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair, kissed his feet, and, and anointed them with the ointment. In John chapter 12, Mary of Bethany, the sister of Martha and Lazarus, anointed Jesus' feet with ointment. Again, this was... Um, when you start looking at these different accounts in each gospel, you see the difference. You see a different timeline. You see, you know, uh, in the second one, this was six days before the Passover. In Matthew and Mark, it's two days before the Passover. And so there's a lot of debate. They sound really similar, but as far as historically, empirically, you see that there's just a different timeline. There's little details that are left out that show us very clearly, theologians would say as well, it shows us very clearly, especially with the historical timeline, that there is significant differences here um, that show us that these were indeed three different instances. And so John chapter 12, again, is the next one that we see, verses 1 through 11. Again, six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas, one of his disciples, who was about to betray him, said, Why was this Uh, ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor. He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you'll always have with you, but you do not always have me. And then, of course, in Matthew and Mark, you can see in Matthew chapter 26, and then Mark 14, 3 through 9. It's Mark 14, verses 3 through 9. And then Matthew chapter 26, verses 6 through 13. Are you doing good? Are you, are you tracking with me? We teaching. We good? <laughs> so Matthew chapter 26, 6 through 13. And now nah, we'll go ahead and just read it. Now, when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask of very 
expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head as she reclined at the table. When the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. But Jesus was aware of this, said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a beautiful thing. For you always have the poor with you, but you don't always have me. And pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare for me for my burial. Truly I say to you, whenever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. What's really, really beautiful is that there was also this idea of a fourth anointing um, that was attempted to take place. Um, We see that over in Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 6. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid. I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here for he is risen. As he said, come see the place where he lay. Anybody ready for Easter since we didn't get to have Easter in person? I start reading the Easter story and I'm just like, man, I miss having Easter last year with the people of God. Um, So we are here at FWC. We are really, really excited about this year's Easter. Um, But again, women were coming to his tomb on the Sabbath after he was crucified and and put in the tomb. And they were going there to anoint. They were going there to bring fragrances, to bring their respect and honor. And, of course, he wasn't there. And um, I think it's just such a beautiful, beautiful picture of what heaven's going to look like someday when we're all in light of everything that Dr. Courtney even spoke the past couple weeks of how we're all just going to come and bring our glory and we're going to come and share our love and our affirmation and our honor and um, it's just such a beautiful picture. Like there is a fourth anointing coming for the Lamb of God, and it's going to be our tears, and it's going to be our recognition of, man, God, you really are who you said you were. And um, and what a glorious, glorious encounter um, and time that will be. Um, one of the things I found really interesting in all of this is... We'll talk plain, we'll tell, tell a little personal story, kind of be transparent with you tonight. Um, early on in ministry, um, going through training, I was under some training, under some Christian counselors, um, and as I was going through this training, teaching us how to do Christian counseling, obviously the best way in a lot of senses to learn anything is just simply go through it, simply be counseled. Um, of course... I grew up in a great home. I mean, I am such a byproduct of a mom and dad who didn't have all the answers, but put me in church. Um, And I like to say I was a drug baby. My mama drugged me to church every Sunday and Wednesday. And so some people are like, oh, my gosh, were you really drunk? And like, no, they just, it's just play on words. And so, um, nevertheless, I'll probably still have someone ask me, like, were you really, like, no, it's just just yeah and so but my parents were adamant it's not like we had bible studies we never had a bible study in our house and my dad works for valero oil refinery in southeast texas my mom stayed home and we were homeschooled from first to eighth grade she's a professional basically cake baker 
creator custom cakes and she's kicking it with cake boss people and i guess whatever tv show is boss i don't know what it's called or whatever but she's 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 on that level with baking cakes and so she she does cakes on like a high high end level premium deluxe level and so um that's my parents that's just the kind of home i grew up in it's just again i grew up in such a good godly home a lot of attention um a lot of discipline <laughs> from my dad um Early on in my life, I definitely needed it after I watched some of them home videos. Um, and so, but in all of that, I grew up in such a good experience. And so I'm going through this Christian counseling and I'm going through this process and they're teaching me how to do all this stuff. And I'm catching on, of course, Sarah and I, you know, counselors in the secular world. She's, you know, she was a foster care counselor. I was a prevention counselor, or a juvenile counselor for for a few years before stepping into full-time ministry. And so a lot of great experiences, a lot of one-on-one, you know, in-home counseling with families who were trying to stay, keep away from their kids going to foster care. And, and um, they would send us in to work with families. And, and um, so there was just a lot that we learned just during that time. And so once I got into full-time ministry, I started going to this Christian counseling training. And I'm just sitting there thinking like, I don't really like, I don't have, I don't have like any baggage. Like I don't have any, I don't have anything difficult that I've been through, you know, cause they're like, okay, let's talk about some things, you know, let's talk about, let's talk about some difficulties that you've experienced. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't have anything. And they're like, okay, okay, that's fine. That's fine. Um, let's just, you know, and they, I mean, like we weren't going to go anywhere until like I brought something to the table and I was just like, this is really awkward. I really don't have like anything. And so they're like, okay, we'll just, you know, well, we'll just wait. Um, and I'm just like, man, this is really awkward. Like, I really don't have any, like, I don't know if you're understanding. And so I'm just trying to tell them, like, I grew up in a good home. I grew up in a good church. Like God was moving. God did amazing things in my life early on. Um, I mean, I'm not like some perfect kid or anything like that. I'm just telling you, like, I, like, I was not abused. Like I have not experienced any kind of trauma. Like I, I'm not trying to say I'm perfect. I'm not, like, I'm not trying to say that. I just like, I don't, I don't need to be counseled through anything. So I, it's unfortunate that I don't get to do this process right, you know. And she's like, that's okay. You know, again, she was like, well, just wait. And as she was just super patient. She's like, I just want you to just close your eyes and just, and just think about it. And just think about it. So I'm just, I'm sitting in there and it's just, it's just awkward. And I'm just like, okay, I'll, say, I'll think about it. So I started thinking about it. She's like, if there's anything that's happened in just anything, just let's just talk about it. And so I was like, I'll just try to find something. And so whew, I'm already getting a little emotional just thinking about it. Um, but this was a monumental moment in my life, and I had no idea. I had no idea. And it was something really, really rooted in me from about, from about 10th grade. And so I'm just sitting there, I'm thinking, I was like, okay, yeah, I, I, I guess I got, there's one, there's one event, I don't know why, it's just very vivid, that I cannot forget. And it's okay, so let's just talk about it. And so I was like, it was just, um, you know, I grew up playing sports, played a lot of different sports, it was, I was playing, I was playing high school soccer, and, and of course my dad worked a lot, so he didn't make a whole lot of games, which I didn't, I didn't take offense to that, that wasn't like something like, I don't know, I cried at sleep at night about it or anything like that. 
But I was like, there was this one time where my dad was actually able to make one of my soccer games. And I was so excited, man. I was ready to, I was ready to just be a beast. I was ready to ball out. I was ready to, I was ready to show out. And, um, and to just preface everything, me and my dad have like an unbelievably great, perfect relationship. So this is not like me with some kind of dad issues or anything like that. I really don't have those. I really, really don't. And I, I feel comfortable in sharing this because we're not on live stream because the last thing I would ever want him to think is that he did something wrong because he didn't do anything wrong. Um, but we'll share, this, this will tie in on just how the enemy works. Um, but he's able to be at the game, and man, Dr. Courtney, I'm playing so good. I'm playing so good. I'm playing defense, or they would call fullback. I'm like the, I'm like the captain defenseman. I'm the one that's like on the main scorer, and my job is to make his, his night awful and to foul him, do whatever. He cannot get a good look at the goal. He, anytime he gets around in this area, I have to rough him up. Like I, he cannot just have, it cannot be an easy night for him. And so that was just kind of my position. It's just kind of like an enforcer, which I know I don't look like anything like an enforcer, but I've been this size since like eighth and ninth grade. So when I first got into high school, they were just like, oh yeah, this guy's a beast. And then I just never grew anymore. And so, um, and so, so 10th grade, um, so yeah, that's all going. So, man, great night. I'm holding it down. I mean, we're up like four to nothing. We're about to get a shutout, which is a huge, huge win if you play defense and all that kind of stuff. One of my best friends is a goalie. And so we just, man, we just got, the, we got this game locked up. And um, sure enough, like two minutes left in the game, the guy just kind of gets around me. And somehow or another, he kind of caught us sleeping a little bit and just snuck a goal in right before the game was over. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, my buddy is playing goal. He's like, man, I can't believe we let that. I was like, I know. Like, what happened, man? We were owning them the whole night, you know. And, um, and so I'm thinking about all this, and I'm just kind of describing, you know, I'm getting in the moment, and I'm describing all this to her. And, and, um, and then so we get cleaned up, and, and I approach my parents. And I'm just excited because, like, he held it down, you know. And, again, this was, my dad didn't say this maliciously. He didn't say it disrespectfully. He didn't say it in disappointment. He just said, man, I can't believe you let that guy get by you. And um, I was kind of like, yeah, I know. And um, so now I'm, I'm telling her this, and I'm just crying. And... Um, She's like, what were you feeling in that moment? And I'm just like, what is happening right now? You know, (laughs) I was just trying to find something and I'm, I'm, I'm a puddle. And I said, I don't, I don't know. I just really, I just really, 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 really wanted to make my dad proud. Like I just wanted to do a perfect job. And he wasn't expecting me to do a perfect job. And he wasn't even mad. I mean, I mean, I mean, the conversation real quickly was like, all right, we're going to go eat, you know, I mean, and. And so I start talking through my emotions and I'm just like, yeah, I just, and when I bring it up, man, I just, I just, whew, I just, I remember that moment. Why? And it's so interesting how the Bible talks about, you know, no weapon formed against you will prosper. And I felt like in that moment, my dad just simply just said something. And it was like the words that left his mouth, the enemy grabbed them. Yeah and formed them, and then it hit my heart, and it pierced me. Not in any way that he intended it to, but the enemy formed it against me so that, 
so that I would have this, this issue, subconsciously have this issue. And so we, so I'm talking about this and she's like, okay, let's, I want you to think about this. And, and, uh, you know, I'm just kind of hands in my face and I'm just, I'm just trying to just breathe. And I'm like, man, golly, I just didn't know. I didn't know this was a big deal. Like I trying to bring something to just something, anything. And, and so she's like, let's, I just want you to stay right there where you're at. And I just want you to take a moment and just invite God into the situation. Just want you to invite Jesus into that moment, you know. And so she's like, you know, just think about when you were walking up to your dad, and I just want you to invite Jesus there. And don't think about what your dad said. I just want you to just tell me what tell me what happens. And so I'm thinking about it, and I'm thinking about it, you know. And I'm kind of playing in my mind. I'm thinking about walking up to my dad, and and I see Jesus there, and I just. And she said, you know, as you know, and I start crying and she's like, what, what's going on? What's happening? I was like, he just said something to me. And she said, what'd he say? And, um, I said, he said, I'm proud of you. He said, I'm just so proud of you, Bryce. And that was the truth of the moment. Now the enemy took it and formed it. In a moment that was so bad, that was so, such an evil root in my heart that I didn't know was there, all of a sudden, now is a beautiful, beautiful moment in my life. Yeah, I, I saw it to a certain point, but then all of a sudden I have this realization that no, Jesus was there, Jesus is here, and he's proud of me. He's not disappointed. Um, so now I got kids and I'm just like, Juby, I love you. I'm proud of you. You know, I'm just like overload all the time. <laughs> like, I'm not going to mess this up. Um, what is so interesting, what I realize though, through ministry so often I would be praying with students in the altar or praying with families in the altars or praying, praying with individuals going through a tough situation and what I noticed in retrospect so many times, like when the Lord would give me something to pray over somebody, it's so simple. Like it's, it's nothing like I see you crossing the ocean on a golden ship. You know, like I, don't, I don't have anything like that. And I think that's all great. That's wonderful. Like I'm not knocking that. I just don't get like the things that God gives me to share with somebody is always like just a few words. And they're very, very simple statements and I'll just be obedient to that and every time I would just like okay God I'm just gonna go pray this over them something something would break for that person and what I noticed in retrospect looking at so many times when God would press on my part to pray over a student pray over a family pray over a situation and the most powerful moments where God would say I want you to go tell them that I'm proud of them and that I love them so then I'm like, I'm, I'm putting all the pieces together like, God, that was you. And then God said, I wasn't just saying it to them, but I was saying it to you too. And if I'm saying it to them, I'm saying it to you. And so, so many times if I'm praying with somebody and I'll get that notion, man, I'm just reminded of what he's done for me. And, and there's just such 
there is such power in moments like that where it's just it's just the Lord. It's just now how now how does this all pertain to the anointing? What's interesting about as I was studying the anointing, one of the elements or ingredients, whatever, one of the factors that kind of allow allow us to have anointing oil um, is pure myrrh, which is obviously one of the three gifts given to Jesus um, from the wise men, um, frankincense, gold, and myrrh. What's interesting about where myrrh comes from, myrrh comes from trees that have been wounded. Trees that have suffered abrasions and from the way they would extract is that they would hit these trees or kind of mar these trees and then from those wounds, they would begin to be able to draw those elements to be able to make up the anointing. So I've had this experience, I'm doing this study and I'm like, God, I see it, I see it. I see how in a, in a place in my life, there may be other places. I don't know. I had to sit down and just think and think and think and think and think and then just bring something up. But I realized there was a moment in my life where I felt wounded, not just not from my dad, but from the enemy. And from that same place of being wounded, God was drawing out of me his anointing. What the enemy meant for evil, God will use for good. No weapon formed against me will prosper. I think of Joseph. Genesis chapter 50 verse 20. Joseph replied to his family, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. No, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. So So he reassured them by speaking kindly to them, by his brothers that wanted him out. Isn't that beautiful? New Testament will kind of help us as well. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Always love this passage. But he said to me, Paul writing, writing the words of Jesus, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness. Why? So that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses and insults, hardships, persecutions, difficulties, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. I am wanting and desiring for the people of God to understand they are not damaged goods. And that we all have these moments in our life where we have gone through much worse much, much worse. And I want you to be so encouraged that despite anything, insignificant or significant, 
and your eyes and your world and your framework of trying to gauge what it is that's going on in your life that, that you're trying to figure out, that you're trying to work through, I'm so encouraged today, and I want you to be as well, that these difficult things that we have gone through, tra- traumatic things, God is going to begin to draw out and begin to purpose those things for his glory, for his fame, and for your power and for your ability to get through it. A place in my life that was so weak, a place that you see in your life that you may see as so weak, given to God, can re-identify, repurpose, reestablish you, and give you the anointing that's on your life. Now, we can look at somebody and say, I want his anointing. I want her anointing. I want their anointing. But God's got your anointing. God's got your message. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Now, I ain't got Rhonda's testimony. I don't have your testimony. You don't have my testimony, but it's the blood of the Lamb and our testimony. It's what God has done for you and what he's going to do through you. Amen? Is this helping anybody out tonight, taking any kind of notes and just encouraging? Thank you for allowing me to be transparent. (laughs) Thinking I'm just, I don't know. I mean, when I think about playing that whole thing back and I'm in that counseling session, I'm like, man, this is... This is, I don't know where this is going. I just feel bad for this lady. She's trying, she's just trying too hard and she doesn't know what she's doing. And sure enough, here we are. What's really fascinating about that is two weeks later, I'm taking the ministry to an event. The guest speaker is speaking, an amazing service, incredible service. Guest speaker, I haven't told anybody about, I like, I haven't told, I'm like, Sarah knows about this. Like nobody else knows about this. Guest speaker walks off the stage during the altar time, prayer time, comes back in the back, gives me a big hug. He said, Bryce, I don't know. I, I just really felt like the Lord wanted me to come and tell you that he's proud of you. And boy, I was done all over again. And I'm sure he was like, man, this boy, <laughs> he's struggling. <laughs> I just came and said, hey, man, God's proud of you, bro. <laughs> But I was not ready for that. I'm like, oh, he's going to give me a hug. You know, I know who he is, you know. And he's like, man, I just, man, the Lord just wanted me to come tell you that he's proud of you. And I'm just like, goodness. I hear you, God. I hear you. I hear you. And, and here, here, here's the thing. If he's saying it to me, he's saying it to you. He's saying it to us. Why don't you just bow your head and just just close your eyes for just a moment. I just want to just give you just a little space just to kind of think about some of these things tonight. Some of us have been through way, 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 way worse, way more traumatic things. 
we have endured an abuse or seen it. We've endured mistreatment or we've, we've seen it. We've endured hurt or neglect by people, by people, not by God. It was them, it wasn't him. And whatever has happened, whatever has been said, does not disqualify and really is the thing from which you are going to begin to draw deeper purpose, deeper meaning. You thought it was something holding you back. You thought it's the thing that's keeping you away from all that God has for you. But I want you to know tonight, you don't got to be afraid of it. You can give it to him and you can watch him take that which was done, which was said, which was experienced. And watch him reform you and transform you and reconfigure you. And use it all for his purpose. He's not afraid of your mess. He's not disappointed of your mess. He's not upset at your attitude or how you handled that situation. He wants you to know that he's going to use those things for his glory. Has it disqualified you? You know, it's one thing to hear it from me. It's one thing to hear it from a minister. It's one thing to hear it from a speaker. But when you, like I did, when you hear God say, I'm proud of you, nobody can take that away. Nobody can take that away. So Lord, tonight, in your way, They hear my voice, but they need to hear your voice. They hear my words, they need to hear your words. And maybe it's a different different phraseology. Maybe it's a different way of forming a sentence or a particular statement. And I'm not trying to make that happen right now. And I'm not trying to force anything in this moment. I just want you to begin a journey of you drawing out the elements that are going to make up your anointing. Your anointing. Look, friend, your anointing isn't for your ministry. It's not just for accolades and and for you to be seen and for you to be applauded. Your anointing is first and foremost for you. For you to know your calling and your purpose And man, it's for your marriage, it's for your children, it's for your grandchildren. I know it looks different. I know you're not like everybody else. I know you're unique. I know you wish you had it like so-and-so and and this person that you admire. Rest assured, your anointing. It's just that, it's your anointing, it's just for you and it's just from him.
you tonight, God. Some of us, when we leave tonight, need to make some space. And maybe we can even just kind of do that now. I just feel like I just need to, we have plenty of time. If um, if we want to just kind of maybe throw in a little music just in the background, just to, I don't know. I just feel like I just want to just honor you. I want to.